Being tiny is difficult for a lot of reasons. It can make you easy prey for a variety of large predators. It can limit your own food sources to plants and even smaller animals. But being small is especially difficult for warm-blooded creatures. Because of biology and physics, a small mammalian body works overtime to keep warm even in the hottest climates. For the world's smallest mammal, it takes a lot of coal to keep their engines running. But a voracious appetite and the skills to maintain it are just what a tiny beast needs in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I am a little bit sick. Again? It, I, I know. What is this, the third time this year? I'm a once-a-year kind of guy. <laughs> and of uh, course, I'm, I'm sick again. Uh, but you'll hear it on my nose, which is just the best. Uh, but I'm also Carlos. Wow. Uh, and today we're talking about a tiny mammal with a big appetite. But more on that later. Like, a lot more. Yeah, it's going to be most of it. Yeah, most of it. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about the Etruscan shrew. I'm going to have a hard time saying this, I'm sure, partway through. Like, I'm going to say sure. Etruscan shrew. Etruscan shrew. Or Etruscan true. But okay. it's time for the naming of the shrew. Ah, nice. Other scientists, other than me and you. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, call it Equal. The- Equal yeah, scientists. Yeah. Peers. Uh, uh, just a parallel. Esteemed colleagues. Just a lateral move over to these other people. Yeah. Uh, they call it the Etruscan pygmy shrew okay. or the white tooth pygmy shrew. Which is pygmy means means little. Mm-hmm. And it's got white teeth. So all of this is good. It whitens. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely using Colgate. Um, but we're going to call it here uh, the entrusted shoe. Why? Because it fits. Uh. <laughs> and I trust that it does. Uh, the Minister of Munch. Or, uh, here's a throwaway, uh, Non-Diet Sunkus. Because <laughs> the genus is Sunkus. Okay. Yeah, S- Sunkus. S-U-N-C-U-S. Yeah. It's, and it's not, definitely not a diet. This this thing is not on a diet. I mean, I guess the diet... Well, everything is on a diet. I guess the diet is like... Worms. Yeah, a diet of worms. A diet of worms. Um... And uh, so, but what I'm going to call it here is uh, Etrus Elba. Etruscan, Etrus, Elba. Oh, I thought you were saying eat, 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 like eat just elbow pasta. Eat, no, no, That's high in calories. Etrus Elba. <laughs> uh, but so he, here's where it classifies on the taxonomic um, scale spectrum, whatever you want to call if it. If it's a scale, then you're going to have to put like something on the other side, which is like pretty light. Like a paperclip. On, on one side is names, and the other side is like a paperclip. No, paperclip's paper, still going to be heavier. Paperclip on one side, a trash can shrew on the other. Oh, got gotcha, gotcha. Uh, little little uh, uh, tip for measure up. How many paperclips? There's no paperclips, but it is about one paperclip. But that's there's, that's not about that has nothing to do with measure up. Okay, the best paperclip. Yeah. Uh, so the kingdom is one that you know, love, and are in. The the kingdom of this world. <laughs> kingdom Animalia. Uh, the phylum is Chordata. The class is Mammalia. We're back to mammals. The order is, let's get this right, Eulipotifla. Eulipotifla. That's like, cute. Like, 
you look patiflo amazing or something. <laughs> <laughs> you look patiflo amazing today. Uh, the the family is Sorisidae because it dabbles in sorcery. Oh, that stinks. Which is, that's the major fact of this is it's the only uh, mammal other than humans to be able to to conjure a sorcerer spell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the g- genus is Sunkiss, as I mentioned before. Um, but this is the non-diet variety, so it's delicious. Um, and the species is Etruscus. So Sunkiss, Etruscus. Sunkiss, Etruscus, Toses or Moses. <laughs> <laughs> no. The answer is no. Um. But since we're in the business of naming things, we might as well talk about what the collective noun is. In our the best segment of this entire show uh, ever and anon, critter groups. That's not evidence based. Uh, I, I don't theory, need any of your theory. sass or negativity in, in this part of my show. <laughs> um, where I ask Joe a question, and it's the same question every time, and that's what's the name of a collective noun for this animal? Couldn't find something for the Etruscan shrew, so we're just going to go with shrews in general. Okay. Uh, is a group of shrews known as a a nestle of shrews, B, a burrow of shrews, C, a skitter of shrews, or D, a whisker of shrews. What was the first one? Nestle. I like that. Let's go with nestle. Final answer? Yeah. Wrong. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, a crapshoot. The answer is uh, is whisker. Okay. It's a whisker of shrews. I mean, lots of things have whiskers, so it's... They definitely do, though. Uh, But, yeah. Def, they're def, it's definitely not a burrow because they don't like to do that or they're not very good at it. But let's talk about where this thing lives before we talk about what it looks like. Uh, it's pretty spread out. It kind of lives along a belt in the Western Hemisphere. Sorry, Eastern Hemisphere. Uh, not the Bible Belt? No, or the Rust Belt or Cowboy Belt. A rusted shoe belt? <laughs> <laughs> a rusted shrew. So it lives in areas of Southwestern Europe, like Italy, Spain, and Portugal, but also in... South, uh, Eastern Europe, like in Albania and Croatia and places like that. It also lives in parts of Yemen and Oman, and it lives in North Africa, like in Algeria and Libya. It, um, it lives also in Southeast Asia, like Nepal and Myanmar and Laos and Indonesia, and it lives in India. It's all over the place. So it's a belt, like a, a, uh... a belt Basically spanning from, like, Portugal and North Africa to South China. Interesting. Is Portugal... That's, a like, a war, like just a warm belt it likes. Yeah. It's still above the equator, though. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of these places are very arid. But what I understand is that it likes humid climates. It's like, well, then don't go to Yemen. Well, that, well, the closer you get to the equator, it's probably even more arid. So maybe that's why they're not on the equator. Right, but it's still Yemen. It's still on the Arabian Peninsula. That's very arid. Same with Italy and Spain and Portugal. These are really arid climates. Like, There's not a lot of moisture in the air at all. Maybe at higher elevations. Probably lower elevations, I'd imagine. Yeah, have, I'm not sure. Are, are more humid because uh, the density would be higher and would go down. Um, but isn't it weird how, like... Southwest regions all over the world tend to be arid. Like Southwest South America is like the and the the Andes Mountains, and those are all arid. Southwest United States is arid. Southwest uh, Africa is the uh, Kalahari Desert, 
I wonder if it has to do with weather patterns and whatever, wind direction, some nonsense. It's just super weird because wind, like, I don't know. Even Southwest Australia, like that Perth area, it's pretty arid. And then like Spain is arid. Well. Crazy. I'm sure there's a reason. Crazy stuff. Um, All right, let's talk about what this thing looks like. It looks like a shrew. End of story. Except... Size down. Oh, that's it. It's just a shrew. I look, but like Extra mo- small. Like most shrews, Etroselba looks like a stretched out weasel mouse. Uh, Stuart, like, like Stuart Little's shady cousin that can't hold down a job and constantly asks you for money. Except they aren't, they aren't as closely related to mice as they are to like hedgehogs and... And elephants or something. Get that, get that out of my they're, they're not really that closely related to mice, which boggles my mind because they look exactly like mice with long noses. Yeah, the elephant thing is like, nah. No. <laughs> it's like that whale thing. It's just like some bonkers. There's even an elephant Although shrew. I think there's a DNA, like, similarities with... Elephants. I imagine there's DNA similarities with. But like we have DNA similarities with bananas, so whatever. Some similarities. Is it significant? I don't know. I don't know what significance is. We might be bananas. What if that's the truth all along? We are. We're. We're not primates. We're bananas. We're bananas. Um, (laughs) What a what a what an ironic twist. Like our. Like our mo- main a prey twist. as a primate, it's it, actually it be... <laughs> a prey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of of just a chimp hunting a banana. <laughs> you got to catch him because they're slippery little devils. Uh, so it has a long, conical head. We're talking about the shrew, not the chimpanzee or a banana. Um, although they are pretty conical. At certain yeah, points. but they don't have heads. Um, and it has a proboscis, so like a little mini trunk that is uh, mobile, so it can move it around. It's not entirely prehensile, so it can't grasp things, but uh, it can still move independently of its face. Um, and it has little little white whiskers that come out, That's nice. which almost make it cute. It's Some pictures of it are cute. Some pictures of it are not very cute at all. It has beady black eyes, which probably contributes to the not cute part, and large mouse ears, which is kind of cute. It's covered in brownish gray fur, and uh, other than that, I mean, that that pretty much describes a lot of shrews, but like you said, the difference is that these boys are so small. Uh Uh-huh. How small are they? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Who's in here? I feel like that brings us to the... It's just the two of us. (laughs) The listener's favorite part of the show, until empirical evidence shows otherwise. Uh, the part of the show where I pose quiz questions to Carlos to convey the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms. Welcome back to the season of woe. The season in which the questions are harder and more relatable than ever. It's also the part of the show that introduced that is introduced by either a listener or an animal. If you would like to submit your own Measure Up intro, just say, sing, or bark the words measure up into your phone's recording app and email it to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Today we have a new measure up firm and an entire family. What? The Briggs family, to be precise. Um, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Boisterous. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> 
<laughs> there was that, were there like harmonies in there? I don't know. Energetic. They sounded good together. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, Briggs family. Thank you to all the Briggs family, every single member. And every Briggs family ever. <laughs> no, this one most. Of okay, all. but yeah, but this one most. That was, that was great. Yeah. Send in, send in, uh, send in measure ups just like this. That's all we need, you know? It's great. Let's move right into length. Only I'm going to do you a little favor and just l- not include that tail. Length without the tail. Okay. Uh, it's three, uh, between three and 5.2 centimeters or 1.2 and two inches. Let's call it an even two inches. That's my favorite. Um, how That's many... my favorite inches. Yeah. <laughs> how many of the world's largest recorded eyelash go into the Etruscan shrew? Hmm. I would have thought it would be the other way around. There's some freaky, like, 13-inch eyelash out there, and then I would have to find out how many Etruscan shrews go into it. So this tells me that this eyelash is pretty normal. <laughs> uh... I don't know. How long is my eyelash? Quarter of an inch? Seems right. Okay. Um, well, here's a hint. So, Scientists say the optimal length for your eyelashes is a third of a wi- the width of your eye. Okay, I'm going to disregard that. <laughs> and I'm going to say that the longest eyelash is twice as long as a regular eyelash. Okay. Which is one inch. Okay. So, that would mean that two of these bad boys go into one Etruscan shrew. Sans tail. Okay, the correct answer is a little less than one. I got it right. I got it right. Two point seven inches is the longest one ever. So about. No, I got it wrong. Yeah, I got it very wrong. Yeah, I think a little less than one was one inch was the longest eyelash. No, no, no. no. That's how many go in. Oh, two point seven inches is a long eyelash. Yeah, it is. Still, that is a long eyelash. It's not optimal, according to scientists. That's un- <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, let's move into width. I mean, weight. <laughs> it's very. It's not very wide. Uh, but let's talk about weight. One point eight grams, or zero point zero six three ounces. Thank you, Imperial System. Um, if an Etr- uh, an Etruscan shrew was worth its weight in gold, how much would it be worth? Wait, I have to ent- estimate two... Th- Wait, no, I don't. I just have to estimate how valuable gold is. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. The value of gold has more than doubled since 1915. I wonder if that has anything to do with the history of the tow truck. Because the tow truck was invented in 1915. <laughs> and then they're like, it's time for gold to go through the roof. <laughs> yeah. we're going to start making these bad boys out of gold. <laughs> It's very, very bad material to make a vehicle out of, but still we're going to do uh-huh. it. Um, uh, I don't know how. I remember looking at the price of gold once, but I don't remember how much it was. I want to say it's $1,000 an ounce. Yes. I'm saying ounce is $1,000. Okay. Which is which makes the rest of this easy-ish. Um just divide that by uh, 0.63, or uh, 0.063. Ugh, there's some conversion that I'm not doing right. You can use your calculator if you want. So what, this thing is about, um, like 14 or 15 of them go into an ounce. So that means it is one fifteenth 
of an ounce. That makes sense. So mm -hmm. that means one fifteenth of a thousand dollars is I don't know. <laughs> That's hard to do in your head. Yeah, you can I mean, use if a calculator it was, for that if you if want. If it was one tenth of okay, here's here we go. It's gonna I'm gonna take one tenth of a thousand dollars, which is a hundred dollars, and then I'm gonna add half of that to it to get to fifteen. So I'm gonna say one hundred fifty dollars. This okay. should be no wait wait no. No, that's not right. You went the wrong way. I, I did think. the did go the wrong way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What times fifteen equals a thousand? <laughs> I have to figure this out. I can't do this simple arithmetic right now. Something times ten equals a thousand. That's a hundred, and so it's less than that. Yeah. So the answer is fifty. Okay. Yeah. Fifty dollars. That's all you needed to do was like yes, lop I, off some. I, I I was going the wrong way. I yeah. was I had a mental block. The answer is fifty dollars. Well, you were right about the value of gold being around $1,000. It's more than $1,000, but less than $2,000. Um, I forget what the number actually is. Uh, that would be important to know. The correct answer is $86.69 as of the, the time of this recording. So it must be more than $1,000. Yeah, It must it be is. like $1,400. Yeah, something it's something like that. Like that. That's significantly more. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Now I'm going to know what I'm, I'm going to go buy some gold bullion. Uh-huh. Right now. Yeah. At well, that's all show. I got for uh, Measure Up. All right. We're done with that. That hurt. It hurt my brain thinker. I have a beefy major fact, so if you got any fast facts, let's make them even faster. First, I want to tell you a story. Okay. It's a story of when I went to Animal Kingdom. And saw a shrew. And I saw a hippo. No, that's not a shrew. And there were two hippos behind it. And... It emitted the most explosive diarrhea all over the two hippos uh -huh. that I've ever seen. It churned the water. I thought that there were like some some fountain had started. That's how um, they say hello. And then it, it dove under the water, and then the hippos that had been so horribly violated um, attacked the first hippo. I would too. Um, and then we drove away. What does that have to do with shrews? It doesn't. I just want. Oh, it just happened. I just wanted to say an animal. Story. That was this weekend. That was this weekend. Oh man. <laughs> uh, and I put I put it here tell hippo story, but I meant to do it earlier on. So this is a good time for me to tell the hippo story. Okay. That was my hippo story. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the diet of the Etruscan shrew is mostly insects, worms, lizards, frogs, and other rodents. When I say other rodents, I mean just rodents because it's not a rodent. The shrew is not a rodent. Even though it looks like one, it's not. So it eats like mice and stuff like that. Okay. Or specifically the young of these yeah, of these to. of these bigger boys. Um, but some are as large as Etrus himself, and he hunts he hunts with touch, using his whiskers um, more than he does his own sight. Hmm. Uh, and here's some fast facts: they are solo animals, um, and they are territorial. So they will display aggressive behavior towards one another unless it's mating season. Um, they tend to be more active at night and specifically just before dawn. And they are sexually mature at just a month old, two weeks after their eyes open. So they're like flies. Babies having babies. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> In this case. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I've said, all, I've said my piece. Okay. Your turn. Anyone who's ever held a hamster... Or a rabbit, or maybe even a small dog, knows that little animals have quick heartbeats. And it's not necessarily because they're a tiny little creature being held by a giant creature. They're not. They're not terrified. No. No. Well, they could be. If 
if they're if if you're being aggressive, stop. If you're being aggressive, stop. Put them down. <laughs> uh, small mammals need fast heartbeats just because they are so small, and uh, that has to do with body temperature regulation, uh, metabolism, and geometry. And here's an explanation of why that is. I don't want to use geometry. I'm already so bad at arithmetic. You, I'm not going to ask you any geometry questions. Thank you. Uh, generally speaking, mammals and birds have a unique ability to control their body temperature purely by burning food for energy and heat. Food and oxygen. Um, and that's called being warm-blooded. Um, instead of just using food to replenish their energy reserves and heal their bodies like reptiles, they also use it to generate heat. Um through your metabolism, you and your hamster convert food in and oxygen into chemical energy. But do you know what in your body converts food into energy? Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's correct. That the was mitochondria. A guess. Um, like your computer, when a fan is broken, uh, mitochondria heat up as they work, like a machine that's running hot, you know. Um, for mammals, this is really good news because just by eating and breathing, which you had to do anyway, you stay warm, which is great. Um, however, as much as you need heat to stay warm, you also need to release heat or you will overheat and die, which is why you run outside for a long time. If you don't drink and like cool off, you'll, you'll have heat stroke and it's not good. I don't like it. Um, animals physiologies are built to help in this pro process uh, directly related to their own size. So small things have more of their total mass touching the outside air, so they lose heat quickly. Um, large things have more of their mass on the inside, so heat from the center of the body takes a longer time to cool down. Um, to test this scientifically, Heat up a flatbread pizza and then a thick calzone. The center of the calzone will stay piping hot way longer than the middle of the flatbread. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. Follow? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have a dog that is twice the size of a hamster in terms of length and width, he will have way more total mass than just twice as much. That might be the smallest dog in the world. Why? I'll tell you why. Uh, <laughs> because of geometry. Five times five, or five by five, uh, like a five by five square, five by five foot square, is 25 square feet, right? Yes. So a 10 by 10 foot square is 100 square feet. So even though it's only twice as long and wide, it's four times larger in terms of square feet. So the larger an animal gets, their total mass increases exponentially. So large animals have more innards and inside area than small animals. Um, exponentially more, not just... Yeah, exponentially more. Didn't yeah. I say exponentially? First, but then you just said they have more. It's like, of course they have more. Yeah, yeah. Um, exponentially more. So, like, so like, it's not just twice as more. It's, you know, huge amounts more. Which is why you can't suddenly make a mouse, you know, six feet long and have it be fine right because it's not meant it like it's mass it's physiology is, and the way its body works doesn't help with that it's not good for that and that's why elephants have these huge ears with that are flat surfaces so there's a lot of surface area to 
for he to escape. Um, and then like you have, uh, rodents and rabbits and smaller mammals that live in colder climates. They are covered in fur and they're usually like, they sit in like these little balls, you know? Mm -hmm. So there, it's just like they're one unit and their insides keep warm, you know? They increase the, the area in their, they try to keep the area inside as thick as as possible. Yeah. Rather than the outside surface area. Right. Um, so that's why you also, when you're cold, you pull your arms in and you, you know, you're not like standing arms akimbo, taking the cold like a champ. You're keeping your uh, organs warm and stuff like that by pulling your arms in close mm-hmm. and not letting heat escape. Uh, so what does that have to do with the shrew? This Etruscan shrew, to be sure. I trust you'll tell us. I will. Um, such a tiny mammal has a huge percentage of their total mass exposed to the outside air. It loses heat rapidly, way more quickly than larger mammals. Um, so this little guy runs at a normal body temperature that's similar to a human's at 34 degrees Celsius or 93.2 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's tiny. You're big. You have the same body temperature. Mm-hmm. But um, this guy's two inches long. Or relatively the same. Um to compensate, the uh, the Etruscan shrew has has to fuel its mitochondria so that it can burn hot constantly. Um, their bodies are oxygenated with breathing up to eighty or eight hundred times per minute. Whoa! Humans breathe twelve to twenty times per minute. By but comparison, that must just sound like one breath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, their hearts pump blood at a rate of a hundred and twenty. Times per minute. Uh, no, that's not twelve hundred. I was gonna say like one hundred and two. That's like one thousand two hundred <laughs> uh, times per minute. So it's like if you look at that, it's just like a. It looks like it's vibrating. It doesn't even look like a heartbeat. It's just like a vibrating little thingy. That's like one time when the Flash vibrated his heart so much that he that Batman thought that he was gonna that he was having a heart attack. That he had flatlined, but really it was his heart beating so fast. And what happened to him? Was that his blood squirted out of his eyes, and uh, he he melted from the inside out? No, Batman got concerned and then he escaped. Oh, okay, um, magic. Yeah. Uh, so that takes care of oxygen, but what about fuel? Etruscan shrews need to eat two hundred percent of their body weight each day. I tried to find out what humans do. But it's the, everything I found seemed ridiculous. I, I don't know. Just add up what you eat in a day in poundage. But it's it's supposed to be like four pounds. Four um, pounds worth of food. Yeah, about like four to five. But then I did the percentage for that, and it's like two or three percent of your body weight if you're like 180 you're, pounds. Yeah. And elephants eat four percent of their body weight. Okay. So. I mean, so they in have... terms of size comparison, it doesn't really make any sense. But they might have more demands. There might be other factors. There, there's probably like a threshold of smallness. Oh, you know what it is? They eat freaking grass. It's not very nutritious. I hate, I hate freaking grass. <laughs> That's probably what it is. They they eat way low. Their their food is way lower in but they calories. They have to eat a lot of it. Yeah. So in terms of weight, it's bigger. But in terms of calories, it's smaller. Uh, so that's the equivalent, what, what a Etruscan shrew eats. 
is the equivalent of you eating a Belgian waffle with butter and syrup every minute all day long. <laughs> that is bliss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to be at Etruscan Shrew. Until your like, stomach bursts. Um, so they they just burn, they, they turn this into energy that fast. Yeah. They probably don't even poop. Probably, I mean, you still produce, like, you still consume the yeah, stuff that your body can't they, use. They can't use, yeah, 100% of what they eat. Yeah. Probably. Um, so they, they can starve to death in as little as four hours. That's bananas. Yeah. Speaking of bananas. Yeah. What? That's crazy. So they, like, they can't sleep for that long. Huh? They have to consistently be... And they're predators. So they don't just eat berries and stuff, stuff that, like, oh, I found a bush, I'm good for the next day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they have to constantly be finding new bugs and lizards and stuff. So this principle is why Ant-Man could not work. One of the reasons. Well, and also why that one movie where Matt Damon gets turned into yeah. a tiny man and put into a tiny house. He would freeze to death. Immediately. And also Unless they starve. also sped up his heart rate and everything and, like, did all that. And then, But then he would need to eat as much as the shrew. Yeah. Huh. And then if uh, Ant-Man is huge, he would, his body temperature would, he would. If Ant-Man is huge, he would crumble under his own weight. That, and he would like overheat and die. Yeah. Because his heart rate is too fast and his mitochondria is too fast and it burns too hot for his, uh, for it to escape. Because he doesn't, he doesn't have enough. Outside versus inside. Yeah. Ant Man is is dumb. It can't it can't happen. It's not it's not real, folks. Spider Man, that's real. <laughs> that's science. <Yeah. laughs> wow, the trust can true. Still, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around a a full grown mammal that's two inches long. Yeah. It's like the size of a small frog. I saw a, a picture of it, or compared to a, an earbud. Like an apple earbud, it's oh. like that, that size. I think it's that makes it inherently cute, just being that size. Yeah, smallness. Yeah, even but if it's I'm, got an ugly little face. I mean, like roaches are that big too, so it's not really that. But it's not uh, just being, being that a, big. well, being a mammal like puts you in a whole another category <laughs> of cute. Like, being the ugliest mammal, but being small makes you a lot cuter than the the, the most beautiful cockroach. I think the ugliest mammal is probably more beautiful than the most, or not about the same as the most beautiful bug. Oh, really? Like a like a butterfly, or a butter like a, a but, bumblebee? A butterfly and a uh, a naked mole rat. Yeah, I think naked mole rat loses actually. Compared yeah, to like I a, do think the, the like a naked fuzzy, mole rat loses. What about like a little fuzzy bumblebee? They're adorable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's you, what I'm saying. I thought you were saying that every mammal is is more beautiful than every. Insect. That was my original thesis, but then I re- re- remembered naked mole rats and remembered <laughs> bumblebees. Bumblebees so. are very cute sometimes, unless you look at them really closely. If you see like them up close with like not an electron microscope, but just a just a close up of their face, they they look like horrific insects that would <laughs> destroy humanity. But anyway, so that's it for the Etruscan shrew, I trust. Uh-huh. True, true. Uh, so, for you out there in Podcastia, keep your heart rate up. Don't be picky. And make sure you're getting enough food like the Etruscan shrew here in life, death, and taxonomy.
If your appetite for interesting animal info is as high as the Etruscan shrew's appetite for bugs and stuff, uh, then it's a good idea to subscribe. Then you could get new episodes to your phone, hot and ready, each week. Also, did you know that the number of reviews you have can help you climb up the iTunes charts? Leaving a review can help us grow and deliver more spicy morsels of animal knowledge to more shrewd listeners that are looking for hot new edutainment. Thanks for listening and engaging. Perfecto. is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> Leaving a review, review's hard to say. No, it's not. It is. It's the hardest <laughs> word ever. That's it. That's the outro. Cut. Send a print. <laughs> uh, here we go.